0: Good evening. It's 5 p.m., and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM. Brought to you by CFRC's News Collective Christina Laurie, Dinah Jansen, Erica Singh, Zayden Vergara, Katrina Johnston, and Mia Lettinen. CFRC's news programming is also brought to you through the support of the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University, and What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street. I'm Christina Laurie, and here are your local news headlines. To start us off, South Frontenac Township is once again asking community members to reach into their pantries and donate items to the local food bank during the month of November. A recent report from Food Banks Canada shows food bank usage is 32.1% higher than 2022 and a third of people using food banks are children. Food insecurity has risen to its highest level since the organization started its annual hunger count report in 1989. Southern Frontenac Community Services Food Bank has seen an increase in residents using its services. The local food bank is run mainly by volunteers and relies on donations from local churches, schools, organizations, and the community. The food bank is especially in need of cereal, soups, stews, and toiletries such as toilet paper, shampoo, and deodorant. The township is inviting the community to join its staff in filling recycling bins with non-perishable food items at these locations. Frontnack Community Arena, 4432 George Street, drop-off items between 8 and 4.30 p.m., and 2490 Keeley Road, drop-off items between 8 and 4.30 p.m. In a message from the City of Kingston, Remembrance Day is a municipal holiday and will be observed with a civic ceremony on Saturday, November 11th. Please note that the City of Kingston services and facilities run as usual on Saturday. The City's Civic Service of Remembrance takes place in McDonald Park, located near Mernie Tower on King Street at the foot of George Street. On Saturday, November 11th, starting at 9.15am, wreaths will be laid ahead of the ceremony by community groups and by veteran and military groups starting at 10.15am. The bilingual civic service will take place from 1045 45 to 1120 AM. However, spectators should be in place by 1040 AM to see the parade march on ahead of the service. An ASL interpreter will be present during the civic ceremony and there will be seating for veterans and people with disabilities. The public is invited to watch the laying of the wreaths before the service should they wish. If you are unable to attend, please note that the ceremony will also be filmed by your TV from Kojiko and they will broadcast the event on channels 13 and 700 as well as channel 100 at 2 PM, 6 PM and 10 PM later that evening. You can remember and honour Remembrance Day by observing the two minutes of silence at 11am, attending the civic ceremony in person, or purchasing a wreath or poppy from the Royal Canadian Legion. The Museum of Healthcare at Kingston has announced that on Saturday, November 11th at 9pm it will be featured in an episode of the History Channel's original docu-series, Our War. The docu-series team reached out to the museum and the episode was filmed in April of 2022, but the news was kept under wraps until this week. Our War follows individuals as they scour museums and archives to unearth the stories of their ancestors. Each episode highlights ordinary Canadians who made profound contributions during World War I and World War II. The episode filmed at the museum in Kingston features historian nurse Jill Galland, who aims to uncover the story behind a photograph of her great-great-aunt, Rena McLean a PEI nurse who was tragically killed just five months before the end of World War I. Featured in the episode are artifacts from the museum's large collection that would have been familiar to Canadian nursing sisters such as Rena McLean. I sat down with Rowena McGowan, curator at the Museum of Healthcare at Kingston, to chat a bit about this upcoming episode. I was wondering if just broadly you could discuss the tie in here between war history and our medical history here in Canada.
1: Absolutely. Um, So what I always like to say is that Medical history is a very specific topic, but also it underpins absolutely everything. Everyone gets sick, worries about their health, seeks medical treatment, sometimes has to provide medical treatment for other people, worries about their health. So it really is a part of every aspect of history. And that's true of war history as well. War tends to be a time of major medical innovation, and that's true of the First World War as well. So. We are in some ways lucky at the museum because we get to talk about sort of the people who were trying to help and instead of trying to harm. um, But of course, it is a little more complicated than that. But the First World War in particular is a time, again, of medical innovation. It's a time of sort of a lot of people working very hard to try to hurt other people, and a lot of people working very hard to counteract that. So you get a lot of progress, you get new inventions, so you get things like gas attacks, and in response you get the invention of the gas mask. Uh, you have people who are have their limbs uh, damaged or their faces damaged, and in response you get huge advances in prosthetics and in surgery. Uh, You have people with PTSD and in that, you know, in response you get advances in psychiatry and psychological understandings. So they're very much uh, a part of each other and we try to talk about that perspective on it.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Just to get some background on this, how did the museum get involved in this episode? So they actually reached out to us
1: in January of 2022. So the sort of framing device of the television show, the documentary, is that it focuses on people who are looking into the histories of their ancestors. And this particular, the person that came to visit us, Jill Gallant, I believe is how her last name is pronounced. Her uh, ancestor was a nurse, a nursing sister, and since we talk a lot about sort of the history of nursing, and we have a lot of objects from that era, they reached out and said, "You know, can do you have artifacts this nursing sister Rena McLean may have used? Can we talk to you? Can we see the artifacts?" And it just kind of carried on from there. So they came up for a day for filming. So we did interviews. Uh, we showed them some of the objects in the collection. Uh, I showed some of those objects to Jill, and I also just sort of talked to the camera about them. and then they interviewed me. I don't know how much of that is actually gonna make it into the documentary, but it was several hours full of or several hours of filming.
0: Mm -hmm, Yeah, that sounds like an amazing experience. It must have been hard to keep it quiet until now. eh?
1: It was, yeah, it was really, it was really interesting. I've never, I've dealt with film crews before. I've never sort of been in a starring role. Uh, So that was definitely a very interesting experience. And yeah, it's... Weird to be under an embargo and not being able to talk about both how cool the project is because you want to shout it from the rooftops, but also to kind of talk about all the fun little stuff that you would normally tell your friends about, like, um, you know, my sort of It's very legitimate, but you know, my joking story is that they got everyone coffee and they wouldn't let me eat my biscotti until I did my interview because they were afraid I'd get crumbs on my front. Um, Just fun little things like that.
0: Yeah, I guess we don't have to worry about that with radio, so I don't really think. (laughs) Yeah. So where can people tune into this on Saturday?
1: It's coming out on Remembrance Day. Uh, So it will be on the History Channel at 9pm Eastern. Um, And that's the Canadian History Channel.
0: Awesome. I'm looking forward to watching. And where can people in general keep up with the Museum of Healthcare and all of your amazing exhibitions and projects?
1: Absolutely. Um, so you can find us online. So our website is museumofhealthcare.ca. We also have a Twitter account, a Facebook account, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, we also have a blog, uh, museumofhealthcare.blog. And if you watched the documentary and you saw some objects that you thought were interesting. Uh, So many of them are currently on display at the museum. So you can come visit the museum, 32 George Street. Currently we're open Wednesday to Friday, 10 to four. Those hours will extend uh, over the summer and over the fall. Uh, And also you can see all the objects that we have cataloged online at mhc.andornot.com. So we definitely try to be as accessible as possible
0: the Kingston General Hospital has launched its 2023 Show Children You Care Teddy Bear Campaign to help purchase patient care equipment for the pediatric program at the Kingston Health Sciences Center. The 20th annual campaign runs until December 23rd and aims to raise $25,000 through the sponsorship of teddy bears, each for a donation of $100. Over the past 19 campaigns, KGH has raised more than $480,000. This year, the teddy bear campaign is targeting the purchase of equipment called n Title CO2 monitors. Dr. Kershid with Kingston Health Sciences states, these are highly specialized monitors for measuring carbon dioxide levels in a child's breath, which ensures the care team can more quickly detect breathing or ventilation problems and make rapid adjustments to improve respiration and gas exchange in the pediatric critical care unit. The Legion Branch 560 is once again supporting the campaign, providing seed money for the sixth year, in partnership with Young at Heart seniors, donating $4,500 to the campaign. Donors have several contact-free options to sponsor a bear this year. By phone, you can call the KGH office at 613-549-6666. For mail, you can visit the Kingston Health Sciences Centre website to obtain a sponsorship form with instructions for mailing in your contact information, plus a check or credit card details. Online, you can donate through Canada Helps at canadahelps.org. You can find the Kingston General Hospital section and choose Teddy Barrett Campaign under apply your donation to a fund set by this charity the annual Nighttime Santa Parade returns to kick off the holiday season. The magic of the holiday season is just around the corner as we welcome Santa and Mrs. Claus back to town at the Nighttime Santa Parade. This beloved annual event will take place on Saturday, November 18th at 5pm and is expected to be a joyful and festive occasion for families and individuals of all ages. This year, the Nighttime Santa Parade will feature a spectacular procession of over 90 participating organizations, including many first-timers, promising an exciting and fresh experience for spectators. The parade will leave from Innovation Park, traveling down Princess Street and concluding at Ontario Street, showcasing a dazzling display of holiday lights, music, and enchanting floats. In the spirit of giving, the parade will continue its tradition of community support. The Partners in Mission Food Bank will lead the parade, collecting non-perishable food items from spectators along the route. Canada Post will follow closely behind, so have your letters to Santa ready. One of the most anticipated moments of the evening will be when Santa himself flips the switch to illuminate the city's official holiday tree in Springer Market Square, immediately following the parade. The tree lighting ceremony promises to to be a heartwarming and magical experience setting the stage for a season filled with joy and togetherness the nighttime santa parade is a free and family-friendly event that captures the essence of the holiday season making it a cherished tradition for kingston residents and visitors alike for more information and updates on the nighttime santa parade please visit downtown that's all for your headlines this week and next up is zayden vergara with your sports update
2: good evening everyone my name is zayden vergara and it's time for your cfrc sports roundup U Sports has released their updated top 10 rankings for the upcoming winter sports season. Starting with women's basketball, they are currently ranked third behind the second-place Saskatchewan Huskies and first-place Carleton Ravens. If you think back to last year, it was a close game between the Ravens and Gales that decided the result of the Gratelli Cup, with the Gales falling 57-70. It's looking to be yet another great year of fighting for the top spot in the OUA, it's also worth noting that Queen's and Carleton are the only universities to make the U-Sports Top 10 ranking. Queen's Women's Volleyball is ranked 4th behind the 3rd place Brock Badgers and ahead of the 5th place McMaster Marauders. In the most recent exhibition match between your Gales and the McMaster Marauders, Queen's would lose the first game 2-3, but win the second match 3-0. The Gales have their home opener against the Trent Excalibur at 6 p.m. this Friday in the Arc Main Gym. Tickets are on sale at gogalesgo.com. When looking at your men's basketball rankings, Queens is sandwiched in 5th place behind Carleton in 4th place and the 6th place TMU Bold. We can also look at some notable players in this circumstance, which is Ottawa up in 1st place. Then you have the 2nd place Victoria Vikings. And all the way down at ninth is the Western Mustangs. So a lot of great matchups for basketball coming up. And finally, last but not least, we have men's volleyball where they're ranked 6th. Notable Ontario Universities is going to be the third place McMaster Marauders, as well as your ninth place Windsor Lancers. But on that note, that's all for your CFRC Sports Roundup. Now over to Erica Singh with some campus news.
3: Thank you so much. Hello, my name is Erica Singh, and here are your campus news headlines for the week of November 5th. Queen's has received a groundbreaking $100 million donation from alumnus Stephen Smith. The generous contribution has prompted the renaming of the faculty to the Stephen J.R. Smith School of Engineering. Smith, who had previously donated $50 million to the Queen's School of Business, believes in the power of education to address pressing global issues, especially in the face of challenges like climate change. The newly rebranded Smith School of Engineering at Queen's is committed to providing an interdisciplinary, problem-solving approach to education, focusing on real-world issues. The transformation aims to create a more realistic and authentic learning experience for students, emphasizing not only technical but also social implications. Furthermore, this initiative seeks to recruit a diverse group of students to fill the 850 annual spots at Queen's Engineering, offering a global learning opportunity to students. The significant donation will fund a new faculty, equipment and other necessary resources, ultimately benefiting students immediately. Student input and participation are integral to shaping this new approach to engineering, ensuring a strong sense of empathy and care particularly in the light of the challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic and climate change. In the words of Principal Dean, this transformative gift from Stephen Smith will equip the next generation of students with the knowledge, skills, and mindset to drive positive change worldwide. Next, Queen's Fall Preview took place last Saturday, November 4th. Hundreds of prospective students toured the campus and heard from specific faculties and current students. In case you missed the in-person fall preview, visit queensu.ca/admission/fall-preview-open-house to register for upcoming webinars on the admission process. In other news, Albie, the beloved golden squirrel that is often seen roaming around Summer Hill, has unfortunately passed away in an accident last Thursday. In the final message by Queen'sU underscore Albie sightings, Queen's students are encouraged to bask in Albie's legacy by living life in the spotlight. The Queen's community came together during this difficult time and we hope that Albie will forever live on in our hearts. That's all for campus news today. Thank you so much. Now over to Mia with the weather.
0: This is Christina Laurie coming in with your CFRC weather report. To start us off for tonight, we can expect cloudy skies, periods of snow or ice pellets beginning late this evening, then changing to periods of freezing rain or rain overnight. Once again, you heard right, there's a risk of freezing rain late this evening and after midnight. Wind will be 20 kilometers per hour gusting to 40 this evening. We'll have a low of minus one and a wind chill of minus eight overnight. For Thursday, November 9th, we can expect periods of freezing rain or rain changing into periods of rain in the morning and ending in the afternoon, then cloudy with a 40% chance of rain showers. will be 30 km per hour becoming light early in the afternoon. We'll have a high of 8 degrees with wind chill bringing it to minus 8 in the morning. As for Thursday night, we can expect cloudy periods with a 40% chance of showers and a low of plus 3. On Friday, November 10th, we'll see a mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of showers and a high of 8. As for Friday night, it'll be cloudy periods with a 30% chance of showers and a low of plus 1. To get the latest and get your weekend weather report, be sure to tune into our news briefs at 8am and 5pm each weekday. That's all for weather this evening and next up is your weekly traffic report with Kat.
4: This is Kat bringing you the weekly traffic report from November 3rd through to November 11th. We are first going to be starting off with road closures in the Kingston area. On Bagot Street from Barrie to West, it will be closed November 11th from 10am to 1245pm for the annual Remembrance Day ceremony. And on Barry Street from King to Stewart, it will also be closed on November 11th from 10.20am to 12pm for the Annual Remembrance Day Ceremony. King Street from Lower University to Barry will be closed November 11th from 8.15am to 12pm for the Annual Remembrance Day Ceremony. On King Street from Barry to West, it will also be closed November 11th from 10.20am to 12pm for the Annual Remembrance Day Ceremony. On University Avenue from Union to Earl, it will be closed until December 22nd for the removal of debris from demolition and concrete deliveries at the Queen's John Dutch University Centre project. And now we're going to move on to parking delays in the Kingston area. On Bath Road at Queen Mary, expect delays for the Utilities Kingston Nets project. This was Kat bringing you the weekly traffic report from November 3rd through to November 11th. I hope you all have a lovely week. now it's time for the CFRC Community Concert and Events Calendar for November 8th through to November 14th. Have an event you would like to be covered on our website news programming? Contact us via cfrc.ca today. On November 8th, come and pet Oscar, our fluffy golden retriever, St. John's Ambulance Therapy Dog, and meet his handler, John. Drop in at any point during the hour. Oscar will be at Mitchell Hall every Wednesday at noon by the Student Wellness Services Office on the main floor. On November 8th is the Recreational Run Club, a beginner-intermediate run. Meet new people if you want to start running, increase your distance, improve your time, or find some running buddies. To join us for this run, please register for this club at gogalesgo.com. You must pay a one-time $5 membership fee. You must be a current Queen's student or staff member to join. Meet at 5 p.m. at the Queen's Arc North Earl Street entrance. It will be Wednesdays at 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. and Fridays at 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Yeah. Also on November 8th is the first Gales of the last decade, Gold's event. Gold's is an opportunity to hear from alumni who recently graduated and explore how their careers have developed since Queens. A Queens Finds Arts graduate will be hosting an Instagram Live on to chat with Simon Hook, president of public relations firm Command Entertainment Group. Save the date and register at queensu.ca. On November 9th, there is an Indigenous identity sharing circle, only available to Indigenous students. Do you feel that you don't look Indigenous enough, maybe you are unsure about how to identify yourself or feel you don't fit in because you don't know enough about your Indigenous identity. Please know that you are not alone. Come together for a sharing circle facilitated by Amber and Lisa to discuss these feelings in a safe space. Registration is required. Email 4d.counselor at queensu.ca. This is in person every other Thursday starting September 28th and will be located at the Four Directions Indigenous Student Centre from 4 to 5 30 p.m. Also on November 9th is the Queen's Acapella Riff-Off. Each of the four acapella groups within the Queen's Acapella Association will showcase their talents and music they have prepared for the fall. This will be in addition to creating an exciting, pitch-perfect styled riff-off event, which the audience can vote on a winner. 160 tickets will be for sale. This will be located at the mansion from 6 to 11 p.m. On November 10th, the QCBG conference begins until November 11th. QCBG isn't just another campus conference. It's a unique platform that bridges this gap, uniting the spheres of government, finance, and business. We believe that you can tap into a broader spectrum of leadership potential when we intertwine diverse sectors. Join us as we navigate the intricacies of a tech-dominated world, leveraging shared insights and collaboratively sculpting a brighter, more sustainable future. You can sign up at wwwqcbgca form. This event will be located at the Isabel Center for the Performing Arts at 9:15 a.m. on the 10th. On November 11th, take time to slow down and deeply observe works in exhibition emergence, a recent gift of Indigenous art, guided by Agnes Dosens. This contemplation practice allows for relaxation and new insights. The artists shaped new artistic markets and became influential advocates and innovators in the field of contemporary and Indigenous art, forging paths for future generations of artists. On public view at Agnes for the first time, do not miss your chance to see these works up close. This will be located at the Agnes Etherington Art Centre from 1.15 to 2 p.m. On November 12th is a solidarity swim. Are you a trans, non-binary, genderqueer, genderfluid, or any other non-cisgender person who wants a safer space to swim and also meet other students and a wider trans community members? Join us for solidarity swim at the ARC pool. You can even bring a cisgender friend slash loved one from 2.30 to 4 p.m. You can register at queensu.ca. On November 13th is the Indigenous Good Minds Night. Come and hang out by the fire, watch TV, study, play board games, bead, and take part in structured activities. These activities change bi-weekly and refreshments will be provided. This group is only available to Indigenous students and is located at the Four Directions Indigenous Centre from 4 to 7.30 p.m. On November 14th, Student Wellness Services is excited to announce a combined flu shot and COVID-19 booster clinic for all staff and faculty members at Queen's University. The clinic will operate on a walk-in basis only. No appointments are necessary. All vaccines are free of charge and completely voluntary. This will be located at Mitchell Hall Student Health and Wellness Services from 9.30 a.m. to 1.00 p.m. and 1.30 p.m. to 4.00 p.m. This was Kat bringing you the CFRC Community Concert and Events Calendar for November 8th through to November 14th. I hope you all have a lovely week.
5: And now it's time for your CFRC Community Concerts and Events Calendar for November 8th to November 14th. If you have an event you'd like covered on our website or news programming, contact us via cfrc.ca today. Vaughn Evans, an old soul storyteller with a smoky tenor voice, will be playing a free show at Spearhead Brewery on November 8th from 7 until 10 p.m. Also on November 8th at Hotel Wolf Island, John Southworth, English-Canadian singer-songwriter, will be playing some songs from 7 until 10 p.m., and tickets are available now for $20. At the Grand on November 8th, Ed Lister Music prevents Decades of Bond, the ultimate tribute to the incredible music of the James Bond films. Tickets are available on the Grand website now for $50 and the show will begin at 7.30. Cataclysm. Patria, Sovereign Council, and Pound of Flesh will be playing a show at the Broom Factory on November 9th, with doors opening at 7 and tickets available for $30. Mike Tremblatt, original and cover artist from Toronto, Ontario, will be playing a free show at Hotel Wolf Island on November 9th, beginning at 7. And Neil Carter will be playing a free show at the Tiernanog at 7pm on November 9th. On November 10th, the Retro Kings will be playing a show at the Club RCHA beginning at 8 p.m., $5 a ticket but free for club members. Ace of Wands, a dream rock band from Toronto, will be playing Hotel Wolf Island on the 10th with a show beginning at 8 p.m. Also on the 10th, The Grand On Stage presents the legendary downchild blues band Natalie McMaster, Jeff Rogers, playing a high-energy show blending blues, jazz, and rock beginning at 7.30. Tickets are available online now for $30 to $50. Bands Conversation, Monarch, and Nocturnia will be playing The Mansion that same night on November 10th. Tickets are $10 and it will begin at 8 p.m. On Saturday, November 11th, Luscious, Mason FM, and Avalon Stone will be playing a free show at Blue Martini beginning at 9 p.m. Ontario bands Pony Girl and Luella will be playing a show at the Broom Factory that same night on the 11th beginning at 7.30, and tickets are $11. KBS presents The Tony D Band at the Club RCHA on November 11th for $20 beginning at 8 p.m. And Kingston band Poplar will be playing Hotel Wolf Island for free that same night, November 11th, beginning at 7 p.m. And on the 11th, Flying V Productions presents Hannah Gregoris at the Isabel Bader Center for the Performing Arts. Tickets are $45 and the show is set to begin at 7.30. On November 12th, Nicole Rampersad, Off World, and Singleaf will be performing at Hotel Wolf Island. The show was $15 a ticket and will begin at 4 p.m. Planet Smashers, The Anti-Queens, K-Man and the 45s, Pound Salt, Sonic Souvenir will be presented by Grit and Grind at the Overtime Sports Bar on November 12th. The show will begin at 7pm and tickets are $25 at the door.
0: Thank you for tuning in to CFRC's local news programming. To revisit episodes of Today in YGK and hear more from some of our guests, be sure to head to our podcast network at podcast.cfrc.ca. Today in YGK is brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada, the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, and What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next.